one thing I've learned after all these years, you're gonna save yourself a whole lot of tears. Don't try to figure out who was wrong and who was right. Got them moving along, baby. the punches. Hi everybody, it's your old friend Mike Houlihan. Welcome back to Hibernian Radio, brought to you by Madden Funds, Local 150, Sheehy Funeral Home, where other eight people go, Fox's Pizza, Flood Brothers, and Guinness is good for you. And let's not forget, the Big Corner Tavern, starting next week, we'll be out at the Big Corner Tavern, Wednesday night, March 1st, you gotta check it out. Uh, we got a great guest, Gino McNulty, will be on the show 30-some years with the Oakland Police Department. We're also going to have a visit from Kevin O'Shea. So join us next week. Uh, You'll be hearing more about that later in the show. This week, we're going to play, because the election is... uh, When's the election? It's Tuesday. And uh, I want everybody to vote for Paul Vallis. We need this guy as mayor, although he did kind of throw a, a wild pitch there when he started coming out against DeSantis last week. And that's... Obviously, the goo-goo influence, but uh, DeSantis is a great guy. I went to see DeSantis Sunday, and boy, he was right on the money. I got to tell you, he's the real deal, and you should have seen all these whack jobs in uh, Elmhurst demonstrating across the street, but he was cool, and he gave a great talk and talked about uh, how much he loves the police. It was all about law enforcement, and he's offering any police who move to Florida a $5,000 signing bonus. And and if you're a grandparent and you move to Florida, your grandkids are covered on their state college tuition. So they get the in-state rate. That could save you a ton of dough. Not that I want everybody to move to Florida. I just want, I like the idea of what he's got going, and he's he's the man. So I, ho- I want him to be the next president. But I, the next mayor I want is a guy named Paul Vallis, who's an old friend of ours. And this is from our... Uh, Christmas Eve show with him where we're talking about crime in the city of Chicago, how it is destroying the city and Lori Lightfoot and what an idiot she is. And uh, we had a great audience that night. We even had uh, former Sheriff Mike Sheehan there. We had Skinny there. We had Johnny Vegas. Uh, It was a great crowd and uh, it's a great show. So that's why we picked it. Hopefully right before the election, it'll make a difference. So give a listen now to Christmas Eve uh, at the Cork and Carry, probably our last show at the Cork and Carry with uh, Paul Vallis, candidate for mayor. Here he is. Our special guest tonight, this is his second time on the show, is uh, mayoral candidate Paul Vallis, an old friend of the show, terrific guy, and for my money, the man that should be mayor. He's the guy we need. Uh, last week, he released a uh, public safety strategy. Let me just tell you some of the facts. As murders rise and violent crime continues to soar by more than 40% on the streets of Chicago, 
Mayoral candidate Paul Vallis last Monday released a comprehensive public safety strategy to restore and enhance the Chicago Police Department and give the department the ability to police both proactively and constitutionally, calling public safety a basic human right that must be restored Vallis said Chicagoans are being terrorized on their own streets by brazen criminals who rightly believe they will not be arrested or prosecuted under the failed policing policies of Lori Lightfoot. Violent crime is up again this year by 41%. Chicago will close 2022 with more than 700 murders for the third straight year. Another 65 school-aged children 17 years and younger have been murdered this year. Meanwhile, Chicago leads the nation again with 46 mass shootings. To say criminals are becoming more brazen is an understatement. Car thefts are now averaging a mind-boggling 100 a day. We saw 50 armed robberies in just the last six days with instances of robbers pistol-whipping women for their own apparent amusement, said Vallis. The mayor's failed leadership has left the CPD with a superintendent that has lost the confidence of the rank and file, a policing strategy that has stripped the community of needed officers, and the destruction of community policing. Officers are leaving in record numbers, and CPD has resorted to dramatically lowering standards in a desperate attempt to replace those departing. According to Paul Vallis, the degrading of the department's effectiveness is evident in the nearly 80% plummet in arrests since 2019, abysmal arrest rates for murders and shootings, and a system in which half the high-priority 911 calls have no car available to respond to a Chicago in distress. Paul, it's pretty bad out there. You're the guy we need Tell us about your public safety strategy. Well, that sums up just how dire the situation has become. But let's talk about the strategy, what needs to be done. Let me point out that all the problems that the city is facing, the problems of uh, deteriorating uh, public safety, the problems of a deteriorating school system, the problems of just, you know, rising property taxes. I mean, how many people... uh, feel that their property taxes were frozen this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, but the, the property tax increases, the second installments have come as a shock. All those problems, all those issues are a product of bad decisions from the fifth floor, from the mayor's office. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we could go through any, any issue, any crisis, uh, any problem that the city is facing, and, and you can find three or four examples of where they are the direct product of bad decisions. So let's talk about the Bad decisions. Bad decisions. So oh. let's, t- let's talk about bad decisions and what the good decisions need to be with the Chicago Police Department. First of all, Brown and his leadership team need to go. And David Brown. David Super Brown. Dumb. And there yeah. needs to be, and what I will do is I will promote, uh, I will promote in, uh, a superintendent and create a leadership team within the police department by promoting people on an interim basis uh, who are in the department, who are respected by the department. As you know, there's a process for selecting a new superintendent that, that you have to go through, but you can support, you can promote a superintendent on an interim basis and then move to try to support that superintendent becoming permanent. But we need a new leadership team that is, is recruited from within the department, that has the confidence of the rank and file, because 
Brown and his team, his first deputy, Carter, have simply lost the support of the rank and file. And once you lose it, you never regain it. They're hated by the cops. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and for good reason. Yeah. They don't feel that uh, uh, the rank and file don't feel that, they, uh, that their leadership has their back. They feel that they've been too, too quick to scapegoat the rank and file. They, and the, the scheduling has been brutal. The second thing you have to do is we've got to return the police department, police to a normal schedule, a predictable schedule, where they're not working these days on end, where they're suddenly their, their shifts are not being extended uh, day after day with, uh, with little notice. It, it, because these exhausting, like working one, uh, two weeks, three weeks, cancellation of days off, these extended, uh, these extended watches are not only worrying out and exhausting the police officers, but it's exhausting. It's punishing the families. And, and this suicides is, are up as well. Suicides. There's been 22 suicides since, I believe, 2018. Oh, and I wow. believe there's been seven. There was just recently two I more suicides. That, yeah. I think they're at seven this year. Wow. So clearly, we've got to get the police on a normal schedule. The third thing we have to do is we have to support proactive policing. We have to stop punishing police officers for being proactive because right now police officers are even afraid to chase. Right. And, and because they're, they're being second-guessed, they're being punished, uh, you know, and, and what's happening is that is demoralizing the police. And let me point out that with the rhetoric coming from City Hall, the rhetoric coming from too many political leaders based on both at the local level and at the state level and with both the state under the SAFE Act uh, literally handcuffing the police or restraining the police, and then the directors, uh, really influenced heavily by the mayor's office, coming down through Superintendent Brown's office, where the police are afraid to be proactive because they get punished. It's become open season on police. Yeah, the number terrible. of police officers, the shootings, or, poli uh, or instances where police have been shot at are 400% higher than they were in 2019. Wow. So at the end of the day, the police are demoralized. So if we if we uh, uh, bring in a new leadership team, we promote from within, if we put the police on a normal schedule, if we support proactive policing, uh, you, know, if we, if, you know, if we support the police, begin to publicly support the police, and go after those who would threaten the police, because the city has the ability to pass its own safety act, and the city could easily pass the safety act that could hold individuals accountable for threatening or intimidating or attacking police officers and, and for threatening and intimidating witnesses, yeah. the, uh, police detective witnesses. If we did those things, I believe that this would help restore morale and this will slow the exodus of officers and it will make being a police officer more attractive again. Yeah. My eldest son, when he returned from Afghanistan, he, he wanted to be nothing more than a Chicago police officer. Right. And, and I don't think he could, I don't know if they had a lottery or something, but he, he actually was, ended up not being able to take the exam. Uh -huh. He ended up taking the firefighter's exam, and of course, he graduated number one in good this class. Oh, good for now him. he's fighting fires in Inglewood. That's but the Paul, right? Right, yeah. that's Paul. But, but the point that I wanted to make was, now they, they're desperate to recruit police officers. And as you pointed out in your opening remarks, they're, they've lowered standards dramatically. So I believe if you do these things, if you do the things that I articulated, you're going to restore morale and, and you're going to slow the exodus and you're going to make being a police officer more attractive and you're going to be able to begin to fill these vacancies. Because I'll tell you what I want to do. Um, you want to kick ass. I want to. <laughs> I want, I, what I want to do is I want to provide the police officers with enough officers so that all the police beats in the city 
All the police beats in the city are covered. That, there's, that there are cars covering the police beats. I want to restore 1,700 uh, officers to the rank and file. In other words, I want to bring the number of officers up to the levels they were when Rahm Emanuel yeah. left office because he began to hire back police, if you remember. So that's 13,300 police. That would be 1,700 more police than we have now. And that's let me great. Point, and yeah. when people say, well, what about oh, how much is it going to cost or you're busting the budget? First of all, you know, a thousand of those positions would be existing positions that they simply haven't filled, yeah. but they budgeted for. So I, I want to get the numbers up to 13,300. Secondly, I want to... I want to create a Chicago Transit Authority police unit that has enough officers so that every single platform is covered, uh, station, CTA station is covered, and so that, like New York, you have police officers both undercover and in uniform riding the trains. Yeah, because nobody wants to get on a CTA anymore. That's right. The people, scary. CTA yeah. ridership is down a half a million oh, wow. a day, yeah. and, and their revenues are down to, their fare box revenues are down to, like 18% of their total revenues. That's a disaster. Yeah. And people are not riding the CTA, not because of COVID, but because they're afraid to ride sure. the CTA. Yeah. And, and, and let me tell you how you do it. Right now, the CTA uh, uh, it is spending $100 million this year on private security. Huh. Uh, minimum wage employees, little training, not armed, I've not trained. I've seen the videos, they're idiots. Yeah. yeah, you usually see them running away when there's yeah. an incident, okay? Yeah. And for $100 million, you could hire between, you could hire 667 more police officers and, and add them to the, uh, to the existing police, uh, de uh, police officers detailed to the CTA. And, and you would have literally, you would have literally close to 900 officers to provide with this extra support. So, so I believe if you do those things, and then finally, look, I, I'm going to restore uh, uh, the, the uh, school police to the high schools. We just All had good. another high school shooting. We've had yeah, 67 yeah. school-aged children murdered this year in Chicago. We had two children murdered as, and four were shot, two were died, who were leaving Juarez at the dismissal time, 2.30. Oh. There were no police there. There's yeah. no car detailed. So I believe if you restore morale, if you bring in new leadership, if you, if you, which will slow the exodus of the, off, uh, of the existing officers and, and give you enough time to kind of fill these vacancies, and you hire enough, you not only fill the vacancies, but you add enough additional positions so that every single beat, every single police beat will have a car available to respond to calls in real time. And the CTA platforms and trains and stations will have officers stationed there. Uh, I believe if you do that, you will very quickly begin to get a handle uh, and begin to turn this tide that, that has seen violent crime oh, yeah. increase significantly in each of the last three years. Yeah, because there's no consequences for it, for these, you know, dirt bags out there. Uh, and, and, and I'm not exaggerating when I say we need to kick ass because we need some good old-fashioned law and order, and you're the guy who can do it. Well, think uh. about it for a second. Last year, there were 400,000 high-priority 911 calls not responded to. 400,000? Not responded to in real time, in uh. high-priority. Yeah. Including 30, in other words, people in danger, murderings. Right. Yeah, yeah. Thirty-two thousand of them were assaults and batteries in progress because there wasn't a police car available. Yeah. Why wasn't there a police car available? Not enough police officers. Yeah. Because uh, every single district has been stripped of officers. Some a hundred plus, hundred twenty-five officers. 
fewer officers, whatever. So there, there are not enough officers to respond to these emergency calls. Well, I want to have a system like Mayor Daley did in the 1990s. If you remember, yeah. back in 1993, when I came from Springfield to uh, become, I came back to Chicago to become his budget director, there were almost 1,000 murders. And Mayor, what Mayor Daley did during that period of time was he built the police force up to about 13,300, 13,400 officers. Basically, I filled the vacancies and we created more positions so that we could have community policing that was that focused on having police uh, car, uh, cars covering Presence. every beat yeah. and police officers on the CTA trains and platforms. And the murder rate plummeted to its lowest level in modern history. Good. It just simply, it did a, a New York style nosedive, if you remember the dramatic drop in murder. So we can do that. We can restore that. Mm -hmm. This is not rocket science, as the mayor used to say, as Mayor yeah. Daly used to say. It's not rocket science. This is basic. You hire more officers, you put them on the beach, you, you have officers working the police beats and walking the platforms who know the community and are known to the community, no better accountability than that. Mm -hmm. And then you allow them to make arrests when people are violating the law. Let them do and, their jobs. And you back yeah. them up. Yeah. This, this is not m mass incarceration. This is not stop and frisk, which Chicago has never had. You know, this is effective, proactive constitutional policing. It's not rocket science. It is my absolute top priority. Because if you don't have safe communities, you don't have, you can't have economic development. No, you, you can't nothing. have investment. Yeah. You, it, it, you know, people become prisoners in their own community. Public safety is a fundamental human right. Yeah. Government's primary responsibility is to keep us safe, is to protect us, is to protect property, is to protect liberty. If you're confined to your house, if you can't go to a public place because you're afraid, you can't go to a local grocery store because you're afraid of getting, you can't drive your car around because you're afraid of getting carjacked, yeah. you're, you're being denied your liberty. You're being denied your human right. So at the end of the day, there'll be no more important priority for me than getting a handle on this public safety now and doing what, we, what Daly did uh, you know, early in his administration, reverse that tide. Now, we've got to go far better than that. But the, at the end of the day, there's no reason why this can't be done. And I, you look at downtown now, it's dead. It's a ghost town. Nobody wants to go down there because oh. of all the crime and everything. And I haven't been down there in months. It's like, forget it. Who needs it? Uh, yeah, you know, people have been making excuses like it's COVID or the retail markets yeah. have changed. Again, it's crime. It's yes, crime. It's absolutely. crime. It's crime. Yeah. Yes, the economy's changing. Yes, COVID had an impact. But, you know, there are other cities that, that did not allow their, their police officers to be stripped uh, that, that did not ha allow their police department to be handcuffed, and their downtowns are thriving. Yeah. You know, when you have, when you have increases, in, uh, skyrocketing historic increases in murders downtown, was it the first district, I think it was, that had like 19 murders and, uh, this year? And in 2019, they had like, I think they had two murders. I mean, yeah. I mean the violent crime... Downtown has skyrocketed, yeah. and you're seeing it everywhere by every statistic. And yeah. so violent crime is really having uh, a tremendous impact downtown. It is driving people out. It is, uh, it, it's keeping people from the suburbs to c come in and spend a weekend downtown. Yeah. It's having a devastating impact. And, and what I would, if you restore the police ranks, you'll be able to do a number of things. You'll be able to restore the first district 
and the 18th district, which did, are the districts that serve downtown, yeah. you'll be able to restore their strengths to the, the levels that they enjoyed before Rahm Emanuel came in. And then if you restore the police, the police strengths in the 1st and 18th district and you allow them to be proactive, trust me, you're going to be ordered downtown. You're going to be ordered downtown and it's going to happen quickly. And that brings economic redevelopment. And that brings yeah. economic redevelopment. Yeah. But, but this is about, look, um, if you restore the ranks as I've articulated, uh, you know, I want to reopen the 13th district that was shut down mm. for whatever bizarre reason. So, yeah. there are, so there, there's no reason why we can't get a handle on, on, public, on uh, the, the public safety crisis we're facing right now. There's no reason why you can't be safe to walk the streets of your neighborhood, to sit on your porch. Uh, there's no reason why your kids can't be safe in school, walking to school, coming home from school. There's no reason why we can't, our, our public transportation system can't be as safe as going to the airport, as my wife likes to say. She's yeah. a former cop in a, now this, yeah, and she works at uh, TSA, and she oh, says, yeah. why can't riding the, uh, the, any of the lines, CTA lines, be as safe as being on the airport? And there's no reason why we can't be safe in our neighborhoods. Our, bu our businesses can't be safe from people walking in and just taking stuff off the shelf with yeah. no consequences or, yeah. or vandalizing or, or coming in and intimidating uh, uh, you know, patrons and things like that. Yeah. There's absolutely no reason for that. No. Yeah. So Lori Lightfoot's got to go for sure. What about Chewy Garcia? He's kind of a socialist. I'm not crazy about... Uh, his past record in terms, he, he's not a law and order guy, that's for sure. No, you know, look, uh, you know, I think in these campaigns, eventually your record comes out. And, uh, you know, what has Truly said on public safety? What's been his position on public safety? What's been his position on, on uh, beat integrity? I mean, you know, he's, he's often sided with the defund the cop movements. He's been yes. highly critical of the police department over the years. All the candidates right now are going to say, oh, we got to get rid of Brown. You know, all the candidates are, and then sure. right now are going to say, oh, we need to fill police vacancies with the exception of one or two. But you really have to look at what they've been saying, what they're, how they've been posturing themselves over the years. And right now, Chewy hasn't showed up at any debates. I worked on Chewy's last campaign. He has the same idiot, left-wing, progressive morons running his campaign as he did then. And it's just like, are you crazy? So I got a problem with that. Yeah, you know, I'll let, you know, I'll let people... I'm going to talk about what I will do and I'll talk about what I've done to give you the confidence that I will do what I've promised. Okay. I mean, one of the things that Mayor Daley uh, tasked me with as a budget director was to put enough police officers on the street so that they could have community policing so that they could do the things that I articulated. Right. And I know how to do it, and I will do You've it. You've done it. I will do it. Yeah. So, uh, so Chewy can, will have to explain why he said the things he has about public safety, yeah. or why he's been relatively silent on public safety issues over the last five, six, seven years. He'll, he'll have to explain why he was silent on the closing of schools, or yeah. why he's been silent on the in, almost $900 million in property tax increases that we've experienced. He'll have to explain why he supported Kim Fox twice, <laughs> you know what I mean, or for that matter. So, yeah. you know, he's yeah. got a lot of explaining yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. This it's, city it's, is in crisis right now, and it doesn't have absolutely. to be. Absolutely. I mean, this is... We have all the components. I mean, this should be the most dynamic city in the country. And it's getting a bad rap all over the country. Rap. It's and, getting and, a bad rap. And, you know, rap. I grew up here. You grew up here. It's 
It's just not good. Now, where, what neighborhood did you grow up in? Well, I, I grew up in the in Roseland. So okay. I was born and raised in Roseland, the grandson of Greek-American immigrants, uh, six uh, veterans in the family, uh-huh. uh, four police officers, uh, t- two uh, firefighters, and three teachers. And, of course, uh, Greek restaurants. We, oh, yeah. Of course, so we all grew up in the Greek restaurant. You know, I, I joked that the Greek, that my dad was an accountant, and then suddenly the the, the Greek gene uh, uh, triggered in, and then he opened uh, up a restaurant. Yeah. We used to joke that he wanted to spend time, more time with the family, so of course he opened the restaurant, which meant we, we were working <laughs> all had together to work there. seven yeah. days a week, so yeah. we, we saw each other. So anyway, but Where'd yeah, you go to high great. school? Uh, oh, where didn't I go to high school? Oh. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I went to, well, in, um, in Roseland, I got my start at Holy Rosary Irish, and then oh, I went good to for you. Pullman, and then I went oh, to Perez. Yeah. which is a Greek Orthodox school, because I'm Greek Orthodox. Yeah. And then I went to Curtis, Fanger, and then Carl Sandberg when my dad opened his restaurant in Elsip, Illinois. We, oh, okay. We, and Chicago Heights, he got into the restaurant business. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, my, my father was a, grand, uh, was a graduate of, of, uh, of St. Rita. Oh, and, did he? Uh, yeah, yeah. And my youngest son say. was a yeah. graduate of St. Rita. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah so they're Rita boys. Ah, the hell. Who said that about Chewy? <laughs> Chewy doesn't stand. You know what? St. Rita, Chewy's not a, he's like a fake Catholic, uh, he's pro-choice and all that other crap. He's not a Rita guy, that's bunk, okay? Well, I'll let you guys ask Chewy his questions. Yeah. Me, uh, for, for he ain't going to be on this show, I can guarantee you prob- that. Probably not. <laughs> okay. But, but look, I mean, we're in serious crisis here. You know and, it. And, and, you know, the city, the mayor controls $28 billion dollars in spending when you consider all the local governments that the mayor controls. And if we can't have safe streets, if we can't have quality schools, if we can't have the type of investments that, that leave no community behind, and I'm talking about the investments that are needed on the south and west side yeah. to, get, you know, to get at some, uh, you know, some of the underlying factors that are contributing to crime in our communities. If we can't do that and, and at the same time hold the line on property taxes, then, God, we've got the wrong... People making decisions, uh, you know, uh, uh, on how to allocate the massive resources available uh, to the city. So uh, I know how to do that, and and it's not like I'm I'm a man on horseback coming in to rescue. Uh, a good mayor has got to have the capacity to assemble the type of leadership team that can come in and hit the ground running. And my strategy is to come in and to draw people, many people, who have experience with the city, who have knowledge, who are, are accomplished, so we can hit the ground running right. on public safety, on schools, uh, on economic development, on environmental protection, so we can, on mental health, so we can hit the ground running, while at the same time working to recruit the next generation of leaders that can take the city into the future. So this is about assembling the type of leadership team or building the type of coalition that can come in and hit the ground running. And when people say, well, you know, are you going to have a difficult city council to deal with? I've been dealing with legislatures all my life. I got my start working for the state legislature under the great late Phil Rock. in Oh, yeah, one of my favorites. And my first budgets for the city, for Mayor Daley, were all unanimous budgets. So Uh I have confidence that I'm going to be able to work with the city council, even with all the new members that they're going to have, to get the city back on track. Because we, uh, the, the things that unite us outweigh the things that divide us. And what unite us is we all want to live in a safe, secure safe, city. absolutely. What unite us is we all want our children to attend 
high-performing, safe and secure schools. And what unites us is we all want to live in communities that are affordable. And so I believe that, that based on, that's how I'll build the coalition to not only win, but the coalition to effectively govern. So I'm, I'm very optimistic that we can get the city back on track quickly. Now you mentioned the schools. The, my feeling is that the Chicago Teacher Union has way too much power. They dictate to a lot of the politicians what they want, and they get whatever they want. What's your take on that? Well, you know, but probably with this mayor, this mayor caved to the Chicago Teachers Union three times. Yeah. So while the Catholic schools were, were reopening, uh, and incidentally going through COVID with no loss in academic performance, in fact, I think their performance exceeded projections, yeah. the Chicago Public Schools effectively were shut down for 15 consecutive months. Wow. If, if people want to know one of the primary reasons for the spike in violent crime, I submit to you that it was the shutting down of those schools for 15 sure. months. Because during that period, 200 kids were murdered since wow. 2019. And last year, the number of murders committed by school-aged children, they constituted 8% of the arrests for sh murders, 9% for shootings, 32% for assaults, over 50% for carjackings. And the students who were murdered and the students who committed murder or committed other violent crimes, they had one thing in common. 95% uh, uh, of those students were students or school-aged children were not in school. Right. See, so the, shutting down the schools had a devastating impact. So what I would do with the schools is, first of all, I will do what I did when I ran the schools. Uh, I will make sure that the money that comes to the schools find, finds its way into the local classrooms. Ask the teachers at Clisso, the te teachers at Mount Greenwood, the teachers at Morgan Park, whether or not they feel that they're getting most of the $30,000 a kid that comes to the schools in revenue. Uh, uh, it's not finding its way into no, the classrooms. No. The second thing I will do is I will open those school campuses through the dinner hour and on Saturdays and on the weekends and through, and through, the, uh, and through the holidays and over the summers and invite community-based organizations and faith-based organizations in the park district to bring their programs to the schools so we have activities that can keep the students engaged because the murder spike when the schools get out. The murders sure. spike on the weekends when the kids aren't in school. The mm -hmm. murders spike in the summer months when the kids are on the street. And then the third thing I will do is I will do what Crystal Ray does, what the Jesuits did with the great Crystal Ray School, is I will work with every city agency and every city department and at contractors and the labor unions, and I will create work-study jobs, paid internships for these high school kids. I'll use the money from, from these irrelevant electives and these, these uh, irrelevant courses that, that, you know, that the, the schools offer. And instead, I'll use it to provide paid work-study. And if you get tens of thousands of kids into work-study programs, you're going to be doing three things. First, you're going to put money in their pocket, and you're going to give them an incentive to stay in school. Second, mm -hmm. you're going to introduce them to the work world. Yeah. In some cases, Learn a work trade. Ethic, yeah. Maybe the, the internships could be at the police department, the fire department, future police officers, future firefighters. And the third thing you're going to do, particularly in some of the poor schools, where the majority of the children are being raised in single-parent households, where there is not a father figure, you're going to be putting them in a work environment where they're going to see male role models. 
You see? Yeah, good idea. I like to joke that I didn't spend a lot of time with my father because my father was always working. Yeah. My father, the Greek tradition, he felt if he was working, he was providing for his family. Yeah. But I remember all, all the, the, the jobs I had as, as a young man and all my bosses. And to, so to a certain extent, they became my male role models. Role models, you see? yeah. So the, those are things that we can do to get the schools on track right now. And if we do these things, we're going to help the police keep the community safe because they're not going to be burdened with tens of thousands of kids on the street. The kids are going to be engaged. They're going to be involved. They're going to be in work study. You know, they're going to be in safe and secure places. And so we can go a long way towards improving their schools. And I, I'm also going to continue to support the, uh, programs like the scholarship program and like in the Empower Illinois program, the scholarship program that provides financial support for those families who send their kids to parochial and private schools. Good. As you notice, Governor Pritzker has now come out and he supports the scholarship program and he, he supports the expansion because it, you should not... You should not have to pay the taxes that we pay in this city. 60% of our taxes end up going to the schools. Mm. And then also have to pay uh, a, a tuition uh, that, that, that jeopardizes your ability to invest money to, to, uh, for a rainy day or to invest money to pay for your ch child's college education because uh, you, know, you should not have to spend money on, on tuition to send your child to a private school or parochial school, because that neighborhood school is not adequate enough, so, not and safe. that neighborhood school yeah. is not safe. Yeah. And you can support initiatives like that and not jeopardize funding for traditional public schools. It's not a case of robbing Peter to pay for Paul. So, uh, so yes, we can, uh, the schools, I believe that we can transform the schools and uh, quickly and we can get them back on track. And when people say, well, what about the teachers' union? Aren't you going to have a problem with the teachers' union? Uh, when I took over the Chicago Public Schools in 95, the union had struck eight times in 15 years. Uh -huh. And during my tenure, there was never a strike. No kidding. So I'll deal with the union. I think yeah. if you deal with the union straight, if you draw the line, if you take a position, and I never take a position that I am not, that I don't have the right, or that I, and that I, I, I'm not secure in my power to take, I'm pretty confident that I'll be able to do the things I articulated and, 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 and find, find a place where the union and I can see eye to eye. And, and I'm going to do what I've always done. If I have to bypass union leadership, I will, and I'll deal with the, the teachers directly. And if the teachers know that I want the money to found its way into the classrooms, if the teachers know that I want to keep these campuses open, not to make them work longer, but they have other programs in the school so that the kids can be safe and secure. So the next day when they start school, they're ready, they're calm, they're focused, they're, they haven't been intimidated, you know, they haven't had problems on the streets. You know? mm. So many of the problems on the streets find their way into sure. schools. If the teachers know that these high school kids are going to be engaged in things like work study and be surrounded by role models, I, I think the teachers are going to be... And if the teachers know that I'm going to have police officers particularly outside the high schools, to deter active shooters and to be there to make sure not only the kids are safe, but the, but the faculty and yeah, the teachers are yeah, safe. Yeah. I tend to think that the rank-and-file teachers will encourage their leadership 
to be cooperative with me. It'd be the smart move for them. Yeah, absolutely. When's election day? Uh, February, well, the primary is February 28th. Okay. Yeah, so it's right around the corner. It's coming up fast. Coming up fast. And, and you've been in, you declared a long time ago, I had you on the show back in the summer. Uh, June, not yeah. that far along. Uh, okay, but that's good. Yeah. You're a, you're a stalwart, steady guy, and you're slow and steady wins the race. That's right. Haven't, yeah. yeah, haven't spent a dime yet on uh, media, and yet oh. I'm... The, the, the most recent poll has me in second place in a runoff, and I haven't spent a dime uh -huh. on media yet. And there's still about 30% of the public who does, don't know me. And if, I, and if I get about a third of the group that, has, uh, of that don't know me, I'd probably I'd be in the lead right now. So yeah. I, I think we're in a good position. I feel really good about the race. You know, I, obviously, we're on top of the issues. I've been talking about these things for four years. I as know, you yeah. all know who he yeah. reads and, yeah. and op-ed pieces and on my Facebook uh, pages and things like that. Well, uh, we think you're the guy. I mean, I, my belief is that you are the only guy that can save the city of Chicago. Because if some of one of these other mopes gets elected, we're all screwed. Cities, <laughs> the city is done. Okay. So in many ways, you are our knight in shining armor. You got to come in and help us, pal. Uh, <laughs> so we will do everything we can to get the word out, get your message out. Uh, any final? Uh, uh, appeal to the public out there, and I think you know. I think my response is, I'm not going to save the city of Chicago. We're going to save the city of Chicago. We're going to save ourselves. Me, for me, it's. I've always been a facilitator. Yeah. And and what I'm going to do is, I'm going to come in and assemble the, the leadership team that has that is rooted and grounded in the community, and we collectively are going to get the city of Chicago back on track. It's not one person, but We're it's We're all the in collective. this together. Yes. We are all in this together. And yeah. that's going to require a mayor who not only has the experience, but also is a uniter rather than a divider. And right. So I'm confident, I'm confident that when I come in, I'm going to be able to build a coalition that's representative of the entire city. Uh, individuals who are proven, who have proven their mettle and their commitment to the city. And I'm confident we're going to get the city back on track. So am I. Okay. Paul, God bless you. Keep fighting. Come back in a couple of weeks after the holidays. I will. Let's talk about it again. Uh, what's the website? Here, I got it right here. Paul Vallis. Uh, well, it's on there. You'll find it. Vallis for mayor. It's easy enough to find. Um, all your papers are on there and, and yeah, your yeah, my public papers, strategy and stuff like that. My papers are on the website. And, and also, if people want to see what I've been... Well, they can go to my public website, but they can also see... Uh, they can follow me on uh, LinkedIn under Paul Vallis uh -huh. and on Facebook under Paul Vallis, where I'm, I'm posting all the time. And, and I noticed, yeah. It's yeah. terrific. And I just want to wish you and everyone, uh, all of your listening audience, a, a Merry Christmas and a happy and healthy and safe news, New Year. Thank you, Paul. God Thanks bless you. Thanks for having me. It. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. We're going to take a little break here on Hibernian Radio and be right back after these messages from our friends. <laughs> With a history going all the way back to 1896, the International Union of Operating Engineers has continued to protect workers and their families with loyalty and brotherhood. Local 150 has continued to thrive through economic booms and busts with careful training and aggressive organizing. Under the leadership of President and Business Manager Jim Sweeney, Local 150 has implemented programs and action plans to create work, protect benefits, and keep members working. And they've been helping the Irish-American community of Chicagoland for just as long. 
The Hibernian Radio Show is proud to be associated with Jim Sweeney and Local 150, and we salute the continuing efforts of the International Union of Operating Engineers and their support of Irish and Irish-American families now and in the future. Thanks to Local 150. One hundred and ten years ago, Roger Sheehy started his family business with his sons. Sheehy's have handled a lot of Southside Irish families since then, mine included. When my late brother Willie died, my brother Danny and I went out to meet with Bob Sheehy to discuss the wake and funeral. Bob and Jimmy Sheehy are quite simply the best. But there's something else about the Sheehy's. Willie was a bachelor. He died alone. The nurses at Northwestern gave me his belongings when I went to pick up his stuff after his death. They gave me his wallet, clothes, and some cash that was on him when he died. As Danny and I discussed what suit to bury Willie in, I handed the cash, 88 bucks, to Bob Sheehy, and I said, put this in his pocket before the wake. Danny looked at me funny, and I said, just some walking around money in case he needs it wherever he's going. But Bob Sheehy said, of course. He knew I was grieving in my own way for probably my favorite brother. I'll never forget that. Sure, the Sheehys were great through the whole thing, and as I did Willie's eulogy at Christ the King, I saw Bob standing in the back of the church, laughing along with the rest of our family as I told some Willie tales out of school. I will never forget that. And when I die, I know my old friends Bob and Jimmy Sheehy will be keeping an eye out for me and my family. They are the best in the business. The Sheehys have been helping Irish families on the South Side for a long, long time, just like their father and grandfather before them, Sheehy where all the right people go. Irish American News has been bringing you the news important to the Irish in Chicagoland for over 40 years. If you like mostly good news and information from all aspects of the Irish community, check out Irish American News. To advertise or subscribe, call our friend Cliff Carlson at 847 872 0700 or email him at cliff at irishamericannews.com Irish American News we've always been green Hey folks Charlotte Houlihan here Did you know that Hibernian Radio is now streaming worldwide on Global Irish Radio every Saturday night at 7pm or 1am in Ireland Yes the Irish are always way ahead of us Check it out at globalirishradio.com or capital G-I-R dot I-E Southsiders have always known where to get the best pizza on earth, Fox's Pizza. For over a half century, the Fox family has been creating that delicious thin crust za that your mouth will tell you, this can only be Fox's. It's a Chicago Beverly Institution at 99th and Western, as well as in Orland Park, where they combine delicious food with an Irish pub ambiance. You got the best of both worlds. Still owned by Tom and Frank Fox, whose mom and dad, Frank and Teresa, bought the Western location from Al Capone's sister back in 1964. They opened the doors in Orland at 73 at 143rd and Ravinia Avenue. You'll recognize the stone turrets of their Irish castle, whose great times have been celebrated for generations of Chicagoland Irish. Fox's is perfect for the whole family, pickup or delivery, or you can dine in, relax and have a cocktail with your dinner, whether it's steak, ribs, chicken, or especially pizza, it's all good. Having a party? Fox's also does catering. 
Call Fox's in Beverly at 773-239-3212 or in Orland Park at 708-349-2111. They're proud sponsors of Hibernian Radio and all Irish first responders. Mention this show for a free toothpick. Gotta love that Fox's Pizza. Flood Brothers Disposal was started over 90 years ago by their grandfather. With more than 20 family members still involved with day-to-day operations, the floods are service-oriented and believe that the right way is the only way to do something. Flood Brothers are price competitive and still offer the personal touch in an industry-trending corporate. For client-centric service without all of that corporate garbage, Call Flood Brothers today for a quote on your solid waste recycling and yard waste collection services. Call Bob Flood today at 630-261-0400 or go online at floodbrothersdisposal.com. Welcome back to the Flood Brothers. And we are back on Hibernian Radio. Well, that's the guy. I mean, I hope he wins uh, on Tuesday, Election Day, because he is our last and final hope. To save the great city of Chicago. Um, let's hope it, it'll probably be a runoff. Who knows? I read a thing today that about Chewy might be in the runoff. I saw Chewy's son is a gangster disciple. That's real cool. <laughs> Give me a break. Um, I like Willie Wilson. He's kind of cool. But uh, I think Vallis is the guy that can do it for all of us, especially you police officers, firefighters. Paramedics and nurses are Irish first responders. He's in it for he's two sons, one's a fireman, one's a cop. His wife is a former police officer, so you know what you're getting. Although he got a little goofy last week when he went after DeSantis, but that was some goo goo on his staff probably talked him into that and that was a bad idea. Ignore that. Okay. Paul Vallis is the guy to be our mayor. Now, I want to remind everybody, you know what? Next week, next Wednesday night, Hibernian Radio is moving to the Big Corner Tavern in North Riverside at 8405 West Cermak Road, 7 o'clock. Great spot, great drinks, great food, parking lot right there. It's right on the corner of Cermak and First Avenue. Our friend uh, Julie Shea has rolled out the red carpet for us, so we're looking forward to just having a blast for the rest of our lives there, maybe. But uh, we'll have a little raffle there every night. And um, Our first guest is uh, retired Oaklawn Pol- uh, Police Sergeant Gino Mc- McNulty. We've also got Kevin uh, O'Shea on the show. He's going to be telling us about the upcoming charity benefit. Well, actually, that's this weekend. Um, this Sunday, tomorrow... February 26th from 6 to 10 at Gaelic Park is the Irish Rebel Music Fest with Derek Warfield and the Young Wolf Tones. Also, Kieran Byrne, the Chancers, and the Chicago Guard of Pipes and Drum Band. This is to benefit Danny Golden, Chicago police officer who was tragically shot in the back, uh, back in Beverly, I think it was last summer, and he's paralyzed. So kick in for the Golden family, fight like a Golden. Tickets are 50 bucks. At the door, 50-50 raffle, cash bar, live bands. Um, This is all put on by our friend Kevin O'Shea, who will be on the show next week. But Kevin uh, is very involved in the Irish music scene here in Chicago. And what he does is he brings these 
musicians to Elmhurst. We're going to have Suzanne Toomey uh, playing at Riley's Daughter on the 16th of March. He puts them up at his house in Elmhurst. He's got this beautiful home in Elmhurst. And then he, they stay there, and, and then he gets some gigs at these pubs all over Chicago. It's just a great idea. But this one's especially important, especially for our law enforcement community. Uh, you got Derek Warfield and the young Wolf Tones. Derek Warfield, obviously, one of the founders of the Wolf Tones with his brother, Brian. Um, it's a, for a good cause, and it'll be a great night. And I think Ryan Fox has got pizzas coming for everybody. God bless him. So get over there. Sunday, February 26th from 6 to 10. If you're looking for tickets, go to koshea at kinsalecapitalpartners.com or call Kevin at 630-865-7137 or just show up uh, and put your 50 bucks in and help the Golden family. Also, what else do we got in our plugs here? Yeah, I told you about the Big Corner Tavern. Oh, please be there. We got three guys. Three, for the next three weeks, we're booked, so it's going to be a great month of March at the Big Corner Tavern. Uh, okay, here it is. Becky Taz is running a thing for the St. Mary's of the Angels Young Adult Group in Bucktown. Uh, this is for the first time, the St. Mary of the Angels Young Adult Group will be partnering with Anthony AMC Center for Thought and Culture in Chicago to host maybe the finest uh, Irish film festival, head, not film, Irish cult, uh, culture in Chicago to host Irish festival headliners, Scythian, Scythian, not Scythian, Scythian, Scythian. Uh, and they are terrific. We're also our old friend John Shine and the Great Whiskey Project will be playing. Uh, that's a great Irish band. And this is all about young people who celebrate their Catholic faith, their Irish Catholic faith. And uh, this is all for a good cause. So get over there on, when is it? Sunday, March 6th, I think. Where's the date here? Uh, 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 uh. So Becky Taz. Well, yeah, it's Sun oh, here it is, March, Sunday, March 5th at 6 p.m. at the Antonam, that huge place over on uh, Southport Avenue uh, in Lincoln Park. Terrific auditorium. And join the St. Mary of the Angels Young Adult Group and get a look at Scythian, Scythian, <laughs> and, uh, and the young Catholic professionals from those parishes. Uh, and you'll be doing a good cause, too. And, and uh, they're great. And they're... Uh, Great Irish Whiskey Project is a terrific band, so you don't want to miss them. So those are all the plugs. Now, Billy, you know, whenever I'm walking down Western Avenue and look in the window, Ken's, Wrong's, Hearts, or any of those great Irish saloons, I see the ghost of my old pal Jimmy Goff through the mist, and he says to me, Hey, Wooly, who died? Start the Danny Boy music. <laughs> uh, Don Enright, age 89, United States Army veteran, he was the beloved husband of Patty Enright and the devoted father of Lynn and the cherished son of the late William and Ann Enright, dear brother of the late Bill, the late Dolores, and the late Lorraine. Lorraine. Dear uncle of many nieces and nephews, Don was a proud member of the Pipefitters Union Local 597. He was the founder of the Chicago Sport Fishing Association. And in lieu of flowers, donations, please, for the Michael J. Fox Association. And Billy the Wake was handled, and the funeral arrangements were overseen by Sheehy, all the right people. Okay, Teresa Burns, 
65. She was a teacher over at Ascension High School, not High, Ascension School in Oak Park. She was a loving teacher and caregiver to every child who had the good fortune of being in her care. She was the devoted daughter, daughter of the late Thomas and Josephine Burns, Nee Kilmartin. Loving sister to Mary Jo Burns, Daniel Burns, Michael Burns, and Jane Burzens. Uh, she was a favorite of many cousins. She made lifelong friends in the old St. John Fisher neighborhood, Mother Macaulay, 1975, and Holy Cross Hospital. God rest her lovely soul, Teresa Burns. I guess she went suddenly, so that was a surprise. Her heart's prayers go out to her family and friends. And then, now this is a real heartbreaker. Uh, Kara Teague Reedy. Doesn't say how young she was. I, I'm going to guess that she was a teenager from her picture. Devoted. She departed from this earth February 19th. She was the beloved daughter of Edward Reedy and Colleen Ann Reedy. Uh, delightful sister of Jack Alexander Rice. Stepdaughter to Lawrence Rice. Loving granddaughter to Daniel and Teresa O'Connor Reedy. And Roger and Joanna uh, J. Yeager. Uh, her heart belonged to her cat, Blumpkin, the Big Head Pumpkin. That's sweet. May you find peace, Kara. You are and will continue to be surrounded by love and light. The pain of missing you is a beautiful reminder of the joy of loving you. God rest her lovely soul, Kara Teague Reedy. And finally, Margaret Peggy O'Flaherty. Uh, maiden name Mulcurin. Uh Peggy O'Flaherty was the wife of the late John Joe, loving mother of Barbara, Mary, Patrick, Margaret, John, and Martin, Chicago Police Department. She was a native of Califinish Karna County, Galway, Ireland. God rest her lovely soul. Peggy O'Flaherty. Great name. So that's. The end of the Irish sports page. This is why I didn't get to call PJ. It's been a very, very, very busy week, but we'll get him in next week. So stick around. we got more coming up for some Hooli Town, and we'll be right back after these messages from our friends. Flood Brothers Disposal was started over 90 years ago by their grandfather. With more than 20 family members still involved with day-to-day -day operations, the floods are service-oriented and believe that the right way is the only way to do something. Flood Brothers are price competitive and still offer the personal touch in an industry-trending corporate. For client-centric service without all of that corporate garbage, call Flood Brothers today for a quote on your solid waste recycling and yard waste collection services. Call Bob Flood today at 630-261-0400 or go online at floodbrothersdisposal.com. Welcome back to the Flood Brothers. Hey, everybody. This is Charlotte Houlihan. Don't touch that dial. My grandpa will be right back some more Hibernian radio. He said something about seeing a man about a horse. Sounds like I'm actually going to get that pony after all. Irish American News has been bringing you the news important to the Irish in Chicagoland for over 40 years. If you like mostly good news and information from all aspects of the Irish community, check out Irish American News. To advertise or subscribe, call our friend Cliff Carlson at 847-872-0700 or email him at cliff at irishamericannews.com. Irish American News. We've always been green. 
cops and firefighters risk their lives almost every day. So they shouldn't have to risk their hard-earned dough in any get-rich schemes or the blather of old pals in the real estate biz. And good luck trying to figure out the stock market or cryptocurrency or even economics 101 when you come home exhausted at the end of your shift. What you need is somebody you can trust. And they're in short supply these days. Hey, take it from me. I've lost fortunes in showbiz because I thought I was smarter than everybody else and I wound up bankrupt and broke. It took me a long time to decide to find a friend I could trust who had my family's best interests at heart. That friend was my late pal, Joe Madden. I met him as he passed the basket at St. Luke's and I'd turn my pockets inside out as he came to my pew and I'd say, I'm tapioca. He laughed but didn't stop him from supporting my films and showbiz endeavors over the years. Joe Madden had my back. A few years before he died, Joe started Madden Funds with his sons, Mike and Danny. The Maddens and Houlihans have been pals for a long, long time. They can advise the best path for your investments. Madden Funds will have your back too. Need advice on your 401k or your rollover IRA? You can trust Madden Funds to help you protect and grow your investments now and in your family's future. Go to their website, maddenfunds.com, or call Mike or Dan Madden at 708-848-3200 and tell them who Lee sent you. Deep, deep, In deep, the south deep. side of Chicago. Get me out of here. So deep, deep, All deep. the way up to 93rd Street. Get me out of here, please. across the tracks where they only spoke yakky dot. Oh. And the people barely survived on a strict diet of <laughs> crunchy bunks and bad food. Hey, man, you want another drink? Yes. Huh? Can I get you two? This yeah. This is almost 70 years we're talking. 70 when years? What? Oh. Something entered his cranium. His cranium? Right. And wormed around his frontal lobes and oh. took him to a state of mind. Mind, yes. mind, mind. Been placed on the other side of bunkers. Welcome. <laughs> <a> crazy, <laughs> silly, screwy. Have, have a seat. <laughs> known as... Hooli Town. Welcome to Hooli Town. Don't stay too long, though. How come? Because you might not come back. Welcome to Hooli Town. Why, thank you. And you're welcome. And we are back on Hibernian Radio. What a great time. And I'll be—I'll tell you what—I've got. To, I'm going to be glad to get back into the tavern doing this show next week at the Big Corner Tavern, 8405 West Cermak Road. We start at seven. We got a great guest every week, but next week we got Gino McNulty, retired uh, Oaklawn Police Department, terrific guy, and we also have Kevin O'Shea visiting us. So come on down, 8405 West Cermak Road. Next, starting next Wednesday night, March 1st, at the Big Corner Tavern. 8405 West Cermak Road. There's parking lot right there. Uh, Julie Shea's the best. She'll take care of everybody. And the food there is dynamite, by the way. So come on down for dinner. It's a great time. Uh, now, as we head to Hooli Town, uh, I want to remind everybody, yes, next week, we hope to see you all, and we'll be, it'll be a live-to-tape recording. Anything could happen, as you well know. So come on down and support the show, support the uh, Big Corner Tavern for supporting us. God bless them. Now, one tiny little story. It's a Tarzan joke. Uh, I always like those. So when Jane first met Tarzan in the jungle, she was instantly attracted to him. And during her questions about his life, she asked him if he had ever had sex. Tarzan not no sex, he replied. Jane explained to him what it was. 
Oh, Tarzan used knot hole and trunk of tree. <laughs> Horrified, Jane said, Tarzan, you have it all wrong, but I will show you how to do it properly. She took off all her clothes and lay down on the ground. Here, she said, pointing to her privates, you must put it in here. Tarzan removed his loincloth, showing Jane his considerably, considerable manhood. <laughs> he stepped closer to her, and he kicked her right in the crotch. Jane rolled over in agony for what seemed like an eternity. Eventually, she managed to gasp for air and scream, Why did you do that for? Tarzan said, Always check for squirrel. <laughs> okay, Tarzan, put your loincloth back on there. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Hibernian Radio. Don't forget to who to vote for on uh, Tuesday. Hopefully, Paul Vallis. Uh, great to see everybody out at the uh, uh, Ron DeSantis event in Elmhurst last week. He's our next president, I hope. Anyway. You guys are the best. We'll see you next week at the Big Corner Tavern, 8405 West Cermak Road, and we will see you later. Bye!